Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it is my aim to highlight my creative and life journey in order to extract the various lessons that I'm learning along the way, as well as to highlight the various lessons that I teach and how I'm applying them to my life. So last week, if, if you checked out that episode, I talked about the notion how there was a personal uh, issue that was causing me to not be as creative and so forth and how I really wanted to resolve that uh, because it meant a lot to me. It was, it was, it, it was a friendship and so forth. And you, know, you can check out that episode for all the sort of finer details. Um, although I don't go into the gossip and don't give all the, uh, the various things, but I, I give the generalizations that reveal a little bit more. Anyway, the point being that I felt it was necessary to kind of follow up because, you know, last week the whole issue wasn't resolved. And even to this day, it's not resolved, but, um, but uh, I'm in a much better place. The person who I was having the issue with is in a much better place. Um, and we're sort of working through things and understanding that there's going to be, we're going to have to have patience with each other, especially because, you know, we are not necessarily on the same wavelength in terms of a perspective and we're trying to try to understand each other's perspectives in that way. And, and so, um, you know, so we're, we're choosing to honor that friendship, even though it's difficult for us to kind of fully understand the other person's reasoning, if you will, right? Uh, but regardless, you know, I think in that realm, if if people are open to resolving conflict, there's always a solution to it. You know, one of the things I keep reiterating with with the friend is that that you know, th there's uh, to to the person that's black and white. To me, I I see two solutions. You know, two options. But I keep saying like, you know, if we just continue to explore this, there's a third solution perhaps. Um, but regardless, like, you know, our, our friendship means a lot more to us than, than whatever may be ultimately going on. And so the friendship is worth fighting for is what I'm trying to say. And I think all relationships, whether romantic or otherwise, you know, it could be with your family, it could be with your friends, again, a partner, partner in business, partner in romance, I think it's less important to be compatible, more important to be able to come to a place of how to handle when conflict and disagreements arise. Because even if you're 99.9% .9 compatible, well, there's that 0.1%. And, and if you guys don't come to a basis, you don't have the fundamental understanding of how you're going to resolve those things or willing to resolve those things, then it doesn't matter how compatible you are. You're, you're essentially fucked. And so I would, I would encourage people to have less of an emphasis on that, more of an emphasis on, okay, how do we, how do we come up with a solution, right? And one of the things that's been evident for me and I keep reminding myself and seeing over and over is that if, even if, even if the other person disagrees, as long as you go into it with kindness, compassion, patience, and so forth, things stand a chance to work out. But if you go in there with anger, with resentment, jealousy, and wanting to just be defensive and prove your point, then you don't stand a chance. It's, um, you know, that's not your main goal. 
And my main goal is to maintain all my friendships, you know, that are meaningful in my life. And in this particular instance, this. And so, you know, I think there's a way beyond it. And the other person agrees. And I'm willing to, to go on that journey to discover what that is. So I'm still a work in progress, you know. Um, the funny part is I, <laughs> I I joked with a couple of my friends. I said, uh, were it not for other people, I would already be enlightened. And that statement of itself just shows how unenlightened I actually am. Because the point being, like, of course, if you, if, you, if you can't be enlightened around other people, then you're not really enlightened at all because that's the whole point is to be able to connect with humanity and, and not let other people essentially affect you. <laughs> so I've got a long way to go in that way. And in a sense, as um, you know, things have certainly calmed down since uh, the onset of this disagreement, and um, so that's good, but but as I said, it's not resolved in, in that way fully. But um, yeah, you just keep trying, you just keep trying, and and it almost things like this, any adversity in life, just kind of showcases to you what you still have to work on. So even though, like, I, I don't know, I can't say I wouldn't, I don't want to necessarily go through things like this, but I am honored, and I do see them as a gift. So that way I can become a better person. So, um, you know, that's that's the way I look at it. Um, so going back to the full creative, a large chunk of last week was about continuing the movie. So uh, my first feature film is, is inching its way to completion. So we have about... We, we have just... A little under a third of color correction to do on the movie. Uh, I think it looks wonderful. Uh, you know, one of the things for me in the past, I think I would have been a, a little too crazy and overboard with with the look of it. And I think for me, part of going into this movie was to just embrace certain imperfections and 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 let them kind of stand out. And you know, in that way, through the colorization, certain moments that you know, otherwise might have looked bad or wrong, actually in the context of the film and, and on what we're trying to achieve, actually highlight it and create a magical moment because it feels, you know, I, if you've been following long, I love kind of a, a freneticism to my movie, almost as if like I'm documenting real life because I come from a documentary background. And so in that sense, you know, cinematography kind of reflects that and so forth. And so now with the color, kind of highlights that as well it just adds another layer to it and what's kind of cool is um there's there's different moods i'll say throughout the movie and one of the things that we've experimented with my colorist and i is having different color palettes for the different moods so it's not consistent throughout you know early on uh, there's a bluish vibe to it and then it goes to kind of like a, a film noir-esque a little bit of green-ish not over the top, not like Matrix level, but but enough to kind of give it a, a little bit of a darker, edgier, um, not grimy, but somewhere along the lines, a, a noir look, right? And then um, in the third back half, what we're working on now, we're playing with this idea of kind of an old school classic film look, which is a little bit like golden, um, kind of maybe slightly oversaturated just a smidge um you know and i think i think it looks good 
you know, again, that the third aspect is what we're still working on. So I have to see it in the full context of it, but just a couple of the screenshots and so forth. I think we're going in the right direction. It's really cool. Um, now, the interesting part will be I have yet to see like <laughs> this movie from start to finish. I mean, I've seen the movie hundreds of times at this point, but never have I actually sat and watched it from start to finish. Um, and it's kind of an interesting concept, you know, uh, which kind of which leads me to, well, uh, concluding the color aspect of it, it. You know, it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. I hope I, you know, I'm going with my gut and I think it, it's the right approach. I hope that when I watch it from start to finish, I don't all of a sudden go, oh crap, did I just make a mistake? But uh, because it would be costly mistake, you know, uh, my colorist, I am paying him and I want to make sure, you know, if he has to like redo that stuff on, then I would have to pay more because I wouldn't want, you know, it's not a project based, it's like based on his time and so forth. And, you know, he's doing a wonderful, wonderful job. But if he had to redo everything, like, I don't know, sometimes people who don't know color and how it works, um, you know, they think, oh, well, just it's easy to change. It's almost like just applying a filter. <laughs> it's not. It's a, it's real science. It's real art, uh, which is why I get frustrated when when people look to editors of like, OK, you can do the color, too. Like I can I can adjust certain things. But in terms of creating a look and a vibe, like, again, that's a, that's a separate science. And I want to learn it. But right now, I've you know, my the past 15 years, 16 years of my life of, of editing has been focused on the, you know, storytelling and cuts and, you know, effects and so forth. But color, color to me is, is a different science. And again, I'm excited to learn, but, um, but it's not been the focus of my studies in the past. Uh, you know, going back to the notion of watching something from start to finish, what's kind of interesting, you know, I've, I've seen the movie a lot of times, I can't say exactly a hundred times, but, but, you know, I would venture to say at least like 30 times, uh, but never from start to finish, you know, it's always start, stop. But one of the things that happens, there's a phenomenon called temp love, uh, which temp stands for temporary. And when you, when you are working on a film, you know, you place in rough things, whether it be music, sound effects, color, it could be color. Um, whatever else, and it could even be graphics. And, and by you watching it over and over in that form, even though you know in the back of your mind, like there's there's work that needs to be done on this movie. This is not the final product. This is not the final music. Because of the familiarity, right? It's, it's almost like a nostalgia factor. You you form a, a love to that, and when all of a sudden, so. Cody Schramm is my composer on this and he's wonderful, wonderful. And he sends me these scores and, you know, I listen to them uh, without any context. I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. This is so amazing. And it is. And then you put it in the movie and, you know, you have to kind of check yourself because you're like, ooh, that's not as good. As and you're like, oh, no, no. He's making good score. It's just not, it's just not the score that I'm used to for this particular moment. It's, it's, a, it's a freaky phenomenon uh, and I don't, I don't know necessarily how to combat it other than the fact that you have to keep reminding yourself of like, you know, what was there, um, you know, is, you know, that was a temporary score. Like for me, I, you know, pulled songs from movies that I loved and songs that are like hits and so forth. So I was already familiar with the songs, then put it in a, in the context of my movie. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Right. But um, you know, it's always interesting. Like Cody is someone I've worked on on multiple projects, and whenever I read, you know, uh, 
there's a short film that I did in college, and whenever I revisit it, I I watch it now and I listen to the score, and I'm like, it, it really moves me. It almost makes me cry. And I, and I also remember the feeling at the time. I was like, I know this is good, but it's it just something feels off about it. It's not as it's not as uh, amazing as what what once was uh, with the temp score. And that is what I have to keep reminding myself of, like, you know, this movie deserves its own chance. Like, it's not, you know, we're inspired by these things, but it's not derivative of those things. And so the same way I, you know, I was inspired by Chunking Express to make this movie, uh, you know, the goal for Cody is to express himself artistically and not to, um, you know, just recycle what someone else has already made. And I think that's absolutely wonderful and fantastic. Again, it, it's a phenomenon. Like I, I recognize this, and and I really love his score. That's why I love working with him. He's he's not only a great composer; he's someone easy to work with. We vibe. Um, we have a friendship, uh, although I don't get to see him as much as I'd like to, which is unfortunate. But nonetheless, you know that's that's not a knock on him or me. It's just a fact of life. <laughs> but yeah, um, I know this is a long winded of saying that. Like you just have to kind of keep that in the forefront and not fall in love with um, what's there and. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a weird phenomenon of how little how little filmmakers actually get to see the ultimate final product. I remember um, uh, what's his face um, Peter Jackson on the final Lord of the Rings. Elijah would ask him, so he was like, how, "How's the movie?" You know, and, and Peter Jackson, like, I don't know. And Elijah Wood looks at him like, "What do you mean you don't know?" He's like, "I haven't seen the movie." What do you mean? He's like, "Well, I've seen the movie." But I've never seen the movie. And so it, it, to, to me, um, for some reason, that's, that story's always resonated of like, you know, you go to the premiere, you're the director, you go to the premiere of like a big blockbuster such as that, and you haven't seen the movie. So you're seeing it for the first time. And um, all in all, that is, uh, that's something I'm looking forward to kind of essentially <laughs> experiencing myself. And to that point, you know, one of the things uh, – you know, when, when you're working on a budget that I'm like, we're not even an indie movie, we're like basically a no budget movie. We've made this movie, you know, now we've with post production, now it's gone up to like three thousand dollars. But nonetheless, like, you know, I have a friend who works for um, Searchlight and you know, she talks about how her their indie movies are, you know, the lower tier are nine million dollars. <laughs> so the point being, you know, we're trying to get a screening going, um, and there's plenty of options in LA to like rent out a theater and so forth, you know, all in all, like just even like keeping it relatively compact, it would be about 30 invitees. And so in that regard, you know, I'm trying to figure out where to have the movie and, you know, I don't, you know, worst case, <laughs> I could have it in my apartment and get like two giant uh, TVs that I buy and then later return, put them on TV stands and we all kind of just huddle around and things like that. And um, you know, that to me would be fine. I think everyone would be fine with that, but ultimately I would love to like kind of do a, you know, I mean, it was meant for the big screen. And so I want to, I want to see it in that context for the first time. It'd be cool, but we'll see, you know, um, we're exploring options and I'll keep you updated on that front because, you know, I think, you know, honoring your work in that way, um, is important, you know, especially like, you know, there's people who have worked on this months ago and, uh, you know, it's not that they've forgotten, but like, you know, their involvement is done with it. And so now it's kind of a chance to months later, finally be like, see, realize and see the fruits of everyone's labor and honor that. So I think that's cool. Um, 
So another sort of update in terms of the movie. It's interesting. Um, this kind of state of the world. Uh, I was supposed to submit this film already, but uh, I, you know my dream, as I've talked about in the past, is to submit to the Cotton Film Festival, and I have everything kind of ready to go in terms of the application. The only thing that's left is to add a link for the movie, and you know I always knew that worst case scenario we would submit a working copy of the movie. And, but due to like the coronavirus, essentially they they push back the deadline. So now you know, um, so we have more time to kind of complete it, put, put our best foot forward. I don't know if we'll fully complete the movie by the time the deadline hits. But nonetheless, um, it's cool in a sense to have a little bit of extra time to be able to work on it. And so we're going to utilize that, um, and it'll be cool to like essentially submit a finalized version of the movie now it's kind of interesting to think about that you know my i've stated this before but my intention will you know if i whether i got not i get into the con film festival is beside the point my 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 life's ambition was just to submit and so that'll be a really cool bucket list victory to check off in that regard now seeing the state of the world like who knows? It, 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 it'll be a very interesting year. Like we might not even have the Cannes Film Festival. You know, South by Southwest, six days before it was supposed to happen, gets canceled. Uh, now, granted, the Cannes Film Festival is in May, uh, towards like the the later middle part. Um, it's from like without ref uh, I think like the thirteenth to the twenty second. But so it's a while away. So we'll see kind of what happens with the coronavirus and so forth. Uh, regardless, you know, it'll be very interesting uh, to see how it plays out. But that's why, like, I kind of think about that. And I'm like, I'm glad my ambition was to just use the Con Film Festival as a driving motivator to make a film, to use it as a deadline to complete the film by. And, you know, the, the, the dream is to submit it versus, like, like it, it would be insane well, not insane, but it would it would it would be such a weird thing, like I guess a mind fuck for lack of a better term. If if I put so much stock into one to get into the Con Film Festival and then it was canceled, <laughs> right? That that would just be crazy. And like I I don't even know what that would do to me if I had put so much stock in that versus like just wanting to submit because if I submit and the festival, you know, let's say let's say best chance scenario. In, in, in the regard of the movie, I get in, but then the 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 festival gets canceled. Well, that's okay because you know it is what it is, and I don't know if I don't know what would happen if they canceled. Like maybe they would move it back later, and so forth. Like who knows how it's going to happen, or if I would just have to resubmit for next year. But then would I be eligible because you know their rule is it has to have been made within the last twelve months. Technically, that wouldn't be the case. Um, obviously that means in, in large part, I would be putting the movie on ice for an entire year. Not something certainly at this moment in time I'm willing to do. Like my goal is to complete it and then just put it out there in whatever form that may be. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of interesting to, to think about these various things. Uh, also just looking at the state of the world in general, like the coronavirus is affecting a lot of things. Um, and I'm not saying it's not, um, not a thing and sh shouldn't be taken seriously. But I would also encourage just most everyday people to realize a couple of things. Number one, 
take precautions, but don't overdo it. Like you don't have to, you know, worrying that you're going to get the coronavirus 24-7 is, is not a healthy way to go about life. You know, if you have medication, stock up for, you know, a month's worth of supply, which, by the way, you should have regardless. Uh, have water and, you know, just, just regular things. I mean, have emergency supplies, which would be no different than just any other day, even without the coronavirus. Uh, you know, one of the best preventative things you can do is avoid touching your face and wash your hands. Now, people think by wearing a mask, a surgical mask, that it's going to really help protect them. And it's not that it's not, but I think when if you wear the surgical mask over your face, it gives you a, a false sense of security, and also because of it, uh, it's it's going to make you touch your face a lot more because you're going to be adjusting it. So for most people, I'm not saying for all people, but for most people, it can actually be kind of counterintuitive. So I would caution you to to really think about that and so forth. And um, you know, that's that's sort of my stance on it. And also knowing that uh, for the most part, you, you know, if you're if you're on the younger side, if you're on the healthier side, you're not really going to be affected by the coronavirus. What's what's kind of insidious about it is that you won't really see the full symptoms, the full effects. But because of that, you know, you have the potential to spread it to others. So that's that's the danger of it, not necessarily to yourself. It's more to the ability to affect other people around you. So just, just, um, you know, these are some of the things that I think about. Hopefully they help you. Uh, speaking, going back to kind of the idea of indie movies, my friend Ian Kaiser, he has a movie called St. Francis, which I'll, I'll, I'll link to in the description. So that way you can check out the website and information on it. But, uh, but it's an indie movie that he made for, a for, you know, certainly less than half a million dollars. Uh, and it's a really wonderful movie. And what's kind of cool about it is, you know, last year they won South by Southwest and, you know, it's been kind of gaining momentum. Now it's in theaters and I had a chance to see it at the Arclight Hollywood and it was playing there all weekend. And uh, last weekend it had the best per screen average in the entire country. Like it's really amazing and it's really encouraging to know that that uh, indie movies, because they, they don't have a name actor. <laughs> And so forth. So in all the, all the things that, you know, you think that you need in today's day and age to have a fighting shot, it's nice to see that, you know, that there's still recognition for a truly indie movie, or as I like to define indie movies. And just really seeing it on the, on the big screen at Arc, like, like this is, this is my second time viewing it, but seeing it in a movie theater instead of just a film festival way it just made me really proud of him and you know he's, he's he's told me a couple of stories of you know how they made it and their journey and so forth and you know like with all films like they ended up cutting out like 15 minutes of the movie like we all end up cutting stuff from the cutting room floor and you know uh, some of the stuff that you just kind of grab on the fly that you don't think is going to amount to much all of a sudden become the magical moments like all the things just add up and and you know the little imperfections create the perfect version of whatever the film is and you know one of the things he was telling me he was like oh i wish we could have you know changed this not that we're going to and this and that i'm like don't you've you've captured lightning in a bottle and it's not to say that like you know he's never going to make another great movie but in terms of this movie, like, 
it's already taken on a life of its own. It has a life of its own. It's it's been birthed. You don't need to touch it. It's it's that's what makes it amazing. Like who knows the domino effect of of changing one thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I've just been really reflecting on it, and I I think it's important to. What makes me sad is when people don't support their friends. Like I know uh, Ian asked me, like, "Hey, uh, if there's people you think that should be invited to the screening of this movie, you know, let them know. I'll get them tickets and so forth." And I invited all the people that him and I know, and a couple of people. I'm not necessarily gonna knock them, but they gave. They were like, "Oh, you know, I'm tired of this or whatever else," and. So they chose not to to see the movie, and and that's really sad to me because it's not like like how many times is this going to happen? You know, I remember having a very similar experience with Parasite when, it, when like Parasite when it first came out. I heard so much great stuff about it, and I was like, okay, I, I like historically movies like this. I'm like, if I don't see this opening weekend, I'm never going to ch- get a chance to see it in the theater because that's just how sort of life works with with these types of movies. You know, it was a foreign movie and blah, blah, blah. And I see it and I was blown away. And then it stays in the theaters and then it continues on and, and wonderful. But but I also would like to give myself credit because what would have happened if I had the, the, the notion that like, ah, oh, I won't see it this weekend. I'll see it next weekend. It'll be around. Not a big deal. Who knows? Maybe I would, you know, by me seeing it, maybe that was a catalyst to to create buzz for it. I remember posting that. I mean, like I'm not giving myself that much power, but nonetheless, it goes back to kind of like the notion of voting, you know, your voice does matter. And if you silence yourself, well then, you know, who knows? And I really think about that. I remember like, um, the the movie underwater with Kristen Stewart. I really wanted to see that. And, um, but just time, it's timing wise. It just didn't work out where I could see it opening weekend. And so I was going to go see it, the second weekend, and man, like the screenings for it were limited. And this is like Kristen Stewart, and I was like, holy shit. So that was a reminder of, yeah, like if, you know, we can't just, we have to support our friends and we have to be kind of in the moment. Now, again, I, I understand life happens and things like that, but I don't know, it, it just made me upset on behalf of my friend Ian that, you know, friends of his supposedly, you know, it's not like he sees these people every day. And they certainly haven't seen the movie they, um, and so forth. You know, they just didn't come out to support. And so that, that to me is a shame. It really is because uh, I don't know. One of my big values is like just support your friends. Like if you, you know, because then it, it, it's almost like saying, hey, I want to be a writer, but I don't care to read. It's like, well, then you don't appreciate the art form. And so how can you be a writer if you don't appreciate the art form? So, um, I don't know if there's necessarily a point to it other than <laughs> just kind of me inventing, I guess. Um, one of the other, okay, so as I complete the film, you know, my first feature, and I'm also nearing the end of my first novel, and just a couple of projects in general, you know, the culmination of a lot of hard work over a year's worth of work, certainly on the novel side. Uh, the movie has been less than a year, which has been kind of cool. Uh, you know, you start thinking about what's next. And one, uh, for me, I was like, okay, I can either write a novel, my second novel, or I can do a second feature film. And I had ideas for both, and they were vastly different. 
And, you know, I look at a book, it's a solitary act. I don't have to rely on other people and whatnot. So I was, and, you know, unlike a movie, you can kind of dedicate like two hours every day and it adds up versus like with a movie, you kind of truncate a lot of the work into small chunks. And, you know, in those moments, it's a lot of hard work. So I was debating, you know, which one do I do? And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is like, I, I was gravitating towards a movie, like my gut was gravitating towards the movie. Um, and it felt like momentum was on my side for a movie. I mean, mo- movie making is what I, you know, ha- like it's a, pa- it's a big passion of mine. It's what I love and so forth. Like I, I love storytelling in all forms, hence why I wrote a novel to begin with, but but, you know, it's a lot harder for me to be a fiction writer than it is to be a filmmaker, which is, you know, just for me, right? And so, you know, I got I got to thinking, well, it's not like it's not like I'm abandoning writing novels ever because I can always write a novel in the future. And secondly, like if I go through trying to make a movie, right, in my mind right now, my I, I'm thinking like this, this movie I can make for $10,000. Which in my world is like a huge, huge fucking step up in the world of filmmaking. That's fucking peanuts. That's like, wait, you're gonna make a movie for ten thousand dollars? How the fuck is that possible? And especially like if I pitched you the concept that I pitched my friends, it's in a way it's like the prisoner meets the Matrix meets uh, Infinite Jest. You're like, wait, you're gonna try to do that for ten grand? Um, But the cool part is like I've already proven to myself that I can make a movie essentially without. Uh, without money, without resources and so forth. So yeah, I feel a lot more confident. And the way I'm approaching this, so so I've decided to go with the movie. Now, knowing that I can always return to a novel, and in fact, that was part of my thinking in hedging my bets. It was like, well, if I do the script and if I get into the early parts of pre-production and you know realize that like just time-wise, acting-wise, budget-wise, resource-wise, it's just not feasible, or it would be a disservice to the movie. Excuse me, uh, to the movie. Then I won't go through with it. And but it's not a waste because then I could essentially just take that script and convert it into a novel. Why not? You know, I know I know it's not a one-to-one medium, and it would be still work, but it, it wouldn't be a complete waste. And the idea that I've had for my second novel, well, you know, I have the outline for it, and in the future when I'm ready for it. Who knows? Maybe that's a book. <laughs> that's a book idea that I'm going to convert into a movie. Who knows? We'll see. But um, but that's the cool part about it. And I think a lot of people think like when they stop doing something, like that's it. But it's like you can always return to something. You know, like I'm not advocating this for this necessary. But let's say like you quote unquote drop out of college to pursue something. Well, you can always go back to college, right? That's the cool part about like life in general. Like it doesn't, you can always, there's a chance to return. Um, you know, the only, and that's why like, you know, when people talk, you know, just be in the moment and, uh, you know, seize the opportunity. It's all about, you know, really consider the things that you can't return to, you know, um, like how many times are you going to get to spend with your friends? Um, you know, if you have a child, how many times are you going to like, you know, that, that kid's going to grow up and so forth. So like it, it just ba- basically makes you appreciate the values. But as far as like you learning a certain skill, you can return to that any time. 
you know, so me writing a novel, I can return to that anytime. So that's the way I kind of approach it. Um, one of the kind of interesting things, and I'm not advocating for this by any stretch of the imagination, it's more of a self-reflection, is this idea. So it's not like the idea for the movie came out of nowhere. Like it's, it's ideas that I've been thinking about for a long, long time. But I finally decided, you know, like if I'm going to go for the movie, let me sit down and let me try to outline this thing. In acts of pure creation, I don't know, there's there's just a self-doubting voice. I'm sure you might feel that same way. And so, again, this is a terrible way of going about it. I'm working for alternatives, so I don't have to do this. But in order for me to just act from a pure creation standpoint, uh, I, I, I drink while working. Now, I don't feel the need to drink while editing. Um, I don't feel the need to, you know, when I'm revising and so forth, it's only in the purest act of creation. Again, so like I'm, I'm basically creating an outline from scratch, even, even though I thought about various ideas, like this is now time to put pen to paper, you know, and I don't want that um, self-doubting voice to, to be like, oh, that's stupid or like, no, no, no. So it's something that I realized about myself. Again, I'm not advocating it. I'm, um, you know, it's not like... I, 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 alcohol, like, you know, I can put it down and things like that. But, but it's just interesting to me that in moments of pure creation, I, I, I just need to shut the voice up. And my only coping mechanism is alcohol in that moment. And yeah, that's that. I, you know, so, but in realizing that about myself, I'm going to work for other ways to try to, you know, stay fully creative in, in a pure sense without the need for that. Um, Anyway, um, that's kind of overall it. The only other thing that I thought about that's been on my mind, I've been re-watching uh, like making of documentaries for movies, whether it's The Matrix Revisited, which tells a story, a two-hour documentary on how The Matrix was made. Um, I remember like the Lord of the Rings extended bonus discs. Like I bought those not because of the movies. I didn't care for like, ironically, I didn't care for Lord of the Rings. I could, I, I'd be happy with the short version. But man, like the four hour making ups for each of the movies are like, I mean, it must have been even six, eight hours, like so much. And that, that's what always fascinated me. And Robert Rodriguez at like 10 minute film schools and so forth. Like all these documentaries of how movies got made, I was just always so appreciative because it was watching my heroes explain their process. And it was essentially like film school for me. And I'm very saddened that in today's day and age, most of that stuff, like, like that are quote unquote bonus on on um, movies are like five minutes and really it's just like a featurette that's promoting the movie of of whatever else it doesn't reveal much it's just kind of getting the hype up and it's like I, I've already seen the movie you don't need to convince me to go see the movie I want to know how you made that movie and you know I know I know that's kind of a niche audience but I know certainly in my world uh, I know t far too many people that that viewed it in that way of like, it was film school for them. And, and it's sad to see like that sort of not fully go away. Like people are still doing it, but um, you know, even like a Marvel movie, you look at that and they're not really revealing how they made stuff. Um, you get little snippets here and there. And ironically, it takes like a, a YouTuber to really compile all this shit and, and put something more meaningful out there on how something was made. And so I'm just kind of saddened by that. And, um, you know, my, my, I'm going to try to, I'm going to write 
I'm working on writing a how-to or how I made Idol, which is the name of my first feature film. And the intent is for filmmakers to want to read it. And uh, But really, like, the overarching theme is, like, if you're a content creator, don't let a lack of resources, budget, and so forth stop you from making what you want to do. Like, just go out and do it because it's possible. Like, if I can make a movie for $3,000, you know, regardless of, like, I, I regardless, I was going to say regardless of the quality, but I don't mean that in the, in the sense of, I mean, quality in terms of how it's received in terms of the narrative, but in terms of the quality of, you know, it as cinematography, sound design and so forth. Like, you know, I put it up to most movies in that regard. Maybe that's naive of me. We'll see what the critics ultimately say, but you know what? That's the cool part. Like I need, I need jack shit from anybody to make this movie. I just need my friends and a willingness um, to make a movie and we fucking did. And that, that to me is like a pure spirit of fucking creation. Um, I just love that. So I encourage you to do the same. And again, I'm going to document that journey further in, 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 a, in the book. We'll see how long that takes me. Anyway, I've yabbered long enough. Um, but this is what's kind of been going on in this past week. Um, so I, if you have any questions about this or anything, you know, by all means, ask away. And I'd be happy to answer, whether in the comments section or on social media, at PhilSvitek. And if nothing else, you know, just keep creating uh, because it's all possible and you can do it. And I hope to see you next time.